podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. The question is, is darts really a sport? It was the worst tackle I've ever seen. Fair play to Joe Root, it was a great knock. There's nothing like a good derby match. It was easily the best 7-9 I've ever hit. Right, come on lads, let's crack on. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast with me, Adam Millichup. I am joined by my colleague and good friend, Nigel. How are you, Nigel? Adam, I am really well, Adam, and uh, really, really happy, of course, because we are recording this the day after that England beat Denmark to reach the finals of Euro 2020. We are, we are, and hopefully when this goes out on air, they'll be um, they'll be champions. That would be, nice. be amazing. Well, Adam, can I just clarify? Are you are you Welsh, Adam? <laughs> I, I am. Then, Will. I am. So, so you're you're currently pretending to be supporting England. <laughs> well, meanwhile, you're digging through your roots trying to find some sort of brother <laughs> called Francesco, so you can support Italy. Yeah, well, I've got like a lot of Scottish friends who are much more brazen. So they bought <laughs> they originally brought a, da- a Ukrainian shirt, then they brought a Danish shirt, and now my Scottish friends are going out to buy an Italian shirt. <laughs> well, I, I won't say the sort of things that he's been putting on our WhatsApp group, uh, Will, but they haven't been complimentary, I've got to say. That. <laughs> I bet he called Raheem Sterling. I bet he said he dived. Uh, it wasn't... It, that Danish bloke nearly... We haven't discussed it there. That's... Nearly rugby tackled him. It was certainly a penalty. <laughs> We're also joined by our uh, other co-host, Thomas. How are you, Thomas? Uh, great, thanks. Can't wait to get some facts on the way. So I've got a question for you, Thomas. Are you a Tom, a Tommy, a Thomas, a TW, a T-Meister, a T-General? <laughs> well, the most recommended one that I go by is Tom, really. Tom. <laughs> That'll do for me, Tom. I like the T-Meister personally, but uh, pass me to think about Tom. <laughs> yeah. So... Tenorwood School is a school for children and young adults with autism, and we've set this podcast up to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills whilst interviewing top sportsmen and women from a variety of different sports. Now, before we introduce today's guests, I just want to say thank you to all our listeners for uh, their amazing support. We've received so many lovely messages from around the world, and we'll share some of these later in the podcast. Please keep the messages coming. You can contact us on social media by searching TWS Sports Podcast or by emailing TWS Sports Podcast at hotmail.com. That's TWS Sports Podcast at hotmail.com. Joining us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is a former England and British Lions rugby player. He won the 2003 Rugby World Cup, beating Australia in a nail-biting final. Please welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast, the one and only... Well, Greenwood. What, where's oh. the take that music? Where's <laughs> never forget banging out? You know, where's One Direction? This is, we, this is there's nothing of a drum here, I'm afraid. Will will so, add that in. We'll add it in for you. You could, yeah, yeah. Some sort of splendid <laughs> drum roll. Any any particular song you want there, uh, Will? Um, never forget. Take that is always good. Love a bit of uh, Neil Diamond. 
And, okay. uh, we might have to do our own uh, rendition of it, though. Uh, well, that's the only problem because of uh, copyright and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it may be me strumming a guitar and, uh, and, and Adam singing. Which it may not does. go quite as well as you think it does. <laughs> Tom, you're on drums. Tom, you're yeah. on drums. Okay. Tom's on drums or bass guitar, whichever he fancies. I wanted to ask Tom of it with his top, which seems like a sort of the infant imperial guard. Are they, Tom, on the front of your t-shirt? Yeah, they're really they're really going through their Beatles phase. <laughs> I know. So, which one of that imperial guard is John Lennon? Probably, probably the second one is John Lennon. <laughs> Perfect. Love the Beatles. <laughs> Will, just taking you back to the start of your career and your childhood, basically. Did you have any sporting heroes growing up? And how did you get to ru- into rugby in the first place? Uh, wow, I had sporting heroes from the year dot. I actually grew up <laughs> in Italy. And the first real recollection would probably be, certainly for World Cups, would be the 82 World Cup, the Football World Cup in 82. But I, my football recollection should start before that. I'm a Man City fan, but... I remember Arsenal beating Man United 3-2 in an FA Cup final in 1979. I remember exactly where it was sat. And uh, Alan Sunderland scoring at the, fir- at the far post. So I'm a bit of an anorak for sport and I've just devoured as much sport as I possibly can, really, uh, from the moment I was stuck in front of a TV or stuck in front of a radio or I could read the back pages of the newspaper. Um, I've been very fortunate to have attended some awesome sporting events through the years played in a few pretty special ones um, and it probably was basically down to the fact that my whole family cousins brothers sisters mum dad grandparents all absolutely love sports so whereas some families might go to music festivals or some would go to uh, dance classes or some would be uh, language specialists or scientists you never fall too far from the tree. We were just always chasing any shape ball. Someone throws it, I'll chase it. <laughs> Fair enough. You're actually in the Festival of Sport this year, aren't you? Yeah, we've set that up. We've done, we used to run it in and around London. We've moved it to the North Norfolk coast to place the, the Holcomb Hall estate. And we're super excited. We've got about, um, we're delighted that COVID is the regulations. COVID will be with us, but the COVID regulations are relaxing a little to allow uh, families and friends to get together um, and enjoy each other's company. And uh, I value the food I put into my body and, and uh, the sleep and the exercise. Um, so there might not be that much sleep at the festival, but there'll be a lot of exercise and great food and, and family and friends and music. So really looking forward to that. That sounds amazing. You say... Uh... Well, that you spent a lot of your childhood in Italy. What was it like growing up in Italy? Uh, I was a little Roman street urchin, as I was often described. I have a very heavy Roman accent when I speak Italian. Um, a bit like uh, I can tell Adam is from the South Wales Valleys and yep. I have a, a sort of Blackburn accent when I sort of go back home. But if I drop into Italian, it's very Roman uh, and loved it out there, outdoors, um, Lovely beaches, great family. We went for a year. I was only one. We went for a year and we stayed for sort of six as a family. So those sorts of experiences are uh, very lucky to have to have gone through that. And uh, we remember it very fondly in our family. Oh, man, it's a beautiful country. 
When you were a child, you played a lot of rugby and cricket. When did you choose to focus on just rugby? Um, do you know what? Even when I was playing international rugby, I was still playing as many sports as I could. I just happened to be slightly better at rugby. So people know me as a rugby player, but would still play in charity cricket games whenever I could. Never, ever, ever turn down a game of five-a-side. Uh, I love whacking a golf ball around the course. Um, love love staying fit, keeping healthy, so gyms and running. So, yeah, I, Tom, that's a really, really good question. Um, I am known for my rugby, hence people assume I gave everything else up. The reality was that's a lot of players do do that in order to focus, but I felt that actually I could continue to learn so much about sport uh, and life from other formats of, of, of different games, which would make me a better rugby player. Would you recommend that, Will? Because so many sports are transferable, so especially for children, would you recommend focusing on, on one sport or just playing as many sports as possible? Many sports as possible. There might be a very, it might be an individual sport like golf and you have to learn to control the frustration, control the anger and stay uh, and, and leave poor shots behind you. And then in a group context, sometimes you're the best player out there and you have to carry others. And so there's a huge, huge mindset about it. you have to be much more selfless on a, in a team game. You have to sometimes depart stage left to allow others to take the stage and be the, the key focal point of the team. And then others, time you have to be the tip of the spear. So, um, I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think different ball flights and certain sports where you use both hands or both feet would help you transfer into different sports. So there's physical transferability, there's there's mental um, transferability. And I think the more you have that, the, the, the breadth of your training and the breadth of your sporting knowledge allows you to focus and stay calm in, in your chosen specialised sport because you have so many different things you can draw on. You started your professional career at Harlequins. What was that like to sign your first professional contract? Now, I'm always hesitant to, to, to call and say, well, actually, technically, Tom, I started my professional career with him at Leicester. Uh, but I, because I was old enough, I'm like when I played, it was sort of black and white and there was no streaming services and we only had three panels. And I was stood alongside Moses on one of my first rugby games. It was that <laughs> long ago. Uh, so I actually started my amateur career at Preston Grasshoppers, then Waterloo, then Harlequins, and then rugby went professional because there was this amazing fellow who's passed away now, sadly. It was called Jonah Lomu. And in the World Cup of 1995, he took the world by storm. New Zealand actually didn't win that final in 95. And South Africa won, and Nelson Mandela just after he'd, well, about four or five years after he'd been released from Robin Island and, and become the leader of South Africa, brought the country together. And Francois Pina was the, the winning captain for South Africa. And people realised that rugby should be professional and should have dedicated professional sports teams and allow athletes to become the best version of themselves, move to a club left, which is a professional club. And I loved it there, and it gave me the opportunity in the springboard, but it was... Behind an amazing pack, it was a bit like if you're sort of comparing football, amazing goalkeeper and back four. So if you're an attacking player with that solidity behind you, 
it allowed me just to go out and, and express myself. And so um, from there, I, I was picked for international teams uh, and played internationally for eight years on the back of that. But uh, I, I, I like to think I never, I never lost my boyish enthusiasm and never forgot that it was simply a game. I still wanted to win every game and be as best as I could possibly be. But I like to think I still felt every match was a challenge uh, where I had to try and fix problems. And the problems were the opposition trying to stop me when I had the ball or run over me when they had the ball. And and so I had to work out ways where I could do that and keep my arms and legs attached to my body. You moved to Tigers in 1996 and had a very successful time at the club. What was the highlight for you during your time there? Leaving. <laughs> uh, with my body intact, it was ferociously difficult. At it was a very, very successful very, team there, wasn't it, Will? Yeah, very, very physical team. And uh, I sort of suggest why was I successful in leaving? And I sort of left in one piece. Um, the, the training there was it was so physical and so tough. And uh, some of the training sessions were harder than a lot of the matches. Um, so I, I realised actually the reality was my body just couldn't cope physically. Uh, Leicester would, would regularly fall apart. And so um, I left and went back to London, uh, to Harlequins, which played a very different style of game. But I went back and, uh, yes, very a lot of friends at Leicester. And I met my wife in Leicester and... Uh, so 25 years later, we're still we're still here. We're doing some house renovations at the moment, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're, we're doing well to still be here as a pair. So uh, no, it's all good, and uh, yeah, fond memories, Tom from Leicester. Are you from the Midlands, Nigel? Can you tell, Will? Yes, I am. I can. Yes. Awesome. Are, you a, are you a Villa fan or a Brummy or a Brummy fan? Well, a West Brom Baggies fan? Uh, Warsaw. I'm so Walsall sorry. To FC. Hear that. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> That's a common retort. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a frustrating experience sporting Warsaw. Yeah, somebody's got it. Mid table obscurity. You 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 have yeah you have reason to celebrate. So we'd like to share some of our fantastic messages that we have received. Our first one comes from Harriet in Cardiff, and she says, "Wow, I love this podcast. What fantastic guests and brilliant hosts." Look forward to listening to every episode. When she says fantastic host, this is all about Tom. You two Muppets. Trying your best to bring the quality down. But Tom, Tom's like one of the great chat show hosts. He's like Parky. He's so good. He's like Terry Wogan. For the younger generations, he's you're doing a very good Graham Norton impression, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> He's been fantastic, Tom. Who Parky and uh, Graham uh, and who was the other one? Terry Wogan uh, were for our, our younger listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, our next message comes from James in South Africa, who says, "Brilliant pod- podcast! You are a real credit to your school. Keep up the good work." So thank you. Keep the messages coming in. We we really appreciate them. It's competition time on the TWS Sports Podcast, and we have a special prize to give away. We have teamed up with surprise shirts, and they have provided us with a prize for a competition. So if you answer the following question correctly, you'll be in with a chance of winning one of these mysterious football shirts. Um, and they can be from any team in the world. So our question is, in our recent podcast with England cricketer Matthew Hoggard, 
he talked about who the most irritating cricketer he has played against was. If you tell us the name of the most irritating cricketer Matthew Hoggard said, then you'll be in a chance of winning this, these prizes. So please message us on social media or email twsportspodcast at hotmail.com. You were called up for your first British and Irish Lions tour in 1997, but that ended early for you. What are your memories of that tour? Not many, because I got my head knocked in. Oh dear. I got, uh, had a great time, but it ended rather disappointingly with a, with a heavy head knock, which left me unconscious for about 17 minutes. Um, and the amazing thing is, Tom, everyone, wow, that guy's so brave to come back and play rugby. He's like, he's he's a titan. He's amazing. And my, my simple answer, Tom, is if you can't remember anything, there's nothing to be scared of. Um, so uh, I, the, the incident, the incident itself, I have, I sort of, I remember before the four days later. Um, so uh, for all you mums and dads out there who are now worried and thinking I should never let my child anywhere near rugby pitch, I, I would do it all again because rugby gave me my fondest memories, my fondest friends, my greatest experiences, and allowed me to travel the world with some really special people, playing a sport I loved and. The reality is, with rugby, it's really going to hurt. And it doesn't matter how good you are, it's still really, really going to hurt. Um, and actually coming through those tough games builds your resilience physically and mentally to be able to take knocks in life. And I think it's important that um, to understand that it rains in life. There are, there are bad days in life. But if you have a really good support network around you and a really good team, who allow you to uh, to pick yourself back up and be there for you and, and, and to allow them to lean on you at times, um, then actually um, life can be very fulfilling and, and very rewarding. Uh, and I actually feel going through difficult times are a necessity in life in order to have a great life. I think if you never have those times or don't experience them until later in life, then they can really knock you and jolt you. So uh, some of the, the finest people I know had really tough childhoods and, and really tough experiences, and that's given them a, a much broader outlook on life and, and, and makes them much better companions and friends for when you go through tough times. Um, you made your England debut in a 15-all draw against Australia. What was it like to make your debut for England? Oh, wow. Tunnel, the changing room, the roar, the crowd, the England shirt, the rose on your chest. Incredible. An incredible day, Tom. It really was. Um, I hadn't grown up wanting to play for England. That doesn't mean I wasn't patriotic. I just never felt I was going to be sort of... I was a bit like... Donkey from Shrek, Tom. Just kept <laughs> jumping up and down. So, pick me, pick me, pick me. And eventually someone did. I was like, oh, someone's picked me. Um, so it, I never took it for granted. I worked my box off. I know I wasn't the best player to play for England, and, but I certainly wasn't the worst. And I just tried to make sure I gave everything on the rugby field and, and, and could look in the mirror at the end of the game and go... Even if we won, even if we lost, I couldn't have done any more because great teams lose. You know, sometimes you come up across across a bigger 
dog in the playground, someone who, who, who turns you over and you have to acknowledge Even, that. And I think, but I think as long as say you've given your all and you've had, you've had your best, then as I said, like it's okay to rain in life and it's okay to have tough days it's on a sports field. I know it sounds strange. It's okay to lose. There, there are some amazing teams and some amazing, amazing individuals out there. And sometimes you come across them, but just make sure you make it as hard as possible for them to win, as hard as possible for them to have more points than you at the end. And if that happens, you shake hands, uh, you have a beer or a shandy with each other and you, and you move on. Even the mighty whales lose occasionally, don't they? It's been known, haven't Well, <laughs> didn't they lose against yeah, Denmark? Um, great to see Welsh, Welsh sport on the crest of another slump. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, am I allowed, Tom, to ask you a question? Of course you are. Because uh, my daughter is autistic and she is absolutely <laughs> awesome. And sometimes I'm learning about my relationship with her and I often think there's a great phrase, which I think is slightly wrong, which says, treat people as, as, as you would like to be treated. And I actually think it should be treat people as they would like to be treated. So in terms of my vocabulary... Tom, how would you describe yourself and learn from you? I would have be able to have a better conversation with my daughter or more of the autistic community because I'm clumsily enthusiastic sometimes, Tom, and I say things that goes, no, that, that's just wrong. So just give me one or two minutes about you, Tom, uh, and the best way that I can help um, and support and be there for other autistic children and adults well it's basically like sometimes that extra guidance is needed and i'm lucky sometimes because most autistic like children or anyone autism don't understand the certain um ways that people explain certain things or the the certain conversations to have and what not to have uh but in a way even though there is also the downsides to having autism, it's kind of like carried me in a way. And it's kind of like, even though it kind of like makes me feel in the dumps at times, I always am grateful because if I didn't have autism, it probably wouldn't have gave me the certain traits that I've been gifted in a way. So, um, And so would you, do you say, are you, do you say to people, I am autistic, or do you say I'm living with autism? What, what's the best language that we can use? I just say that I uh, I have a a bit of autism, like it's kind of like just there, but I, I don't know the best way to word it. But it's like it's like I I have a bit of it. So and and your school, you know. So do I describe? So my daughter goes to a. Fabulous school, fabulous school called Beach Lodge. And, and do you prefer us to talk about your school as a school for those with additional needs, uh, uh, additional learning? What, what, how is it a special needs school? Or are they, tell me what what's the best language to talk about schools, wonderful schools like yours? I would say it's like one of those type of situations where it's like. It's definitely special needs, but there's always like different categories for like each spectrum of the type of pupils that are uh, in the school. So, 
And which, tell me, because there are potholes in life, aren't there? We want to avoid potholes and, and in any way offending. What, what vocabulary should I never use for children or adults with autism? Which, what, what are the words that just go, oh, no, you might talk about our amazing community like that? Um, usually there hasn't been like, uh, something the way people word it. It's usually just like specific words on how people feel or, um, but surprisingly, I don't have that. I, uh, funny enough, I only ever experienced this once and it was, I went through a stage back in 2017 where I got that in, in, like enveloped or whatever it is where like you get like really serious about it and that was the word opinion because I I I went through a stage where because people clashed because of opinions it kind of got into my head but luckily I went away from that stage but there are still autistic people out there who don't like specific words because of the meaning and how it kind of like clashes in their mind so it's mainly that's the thing to worry about Okay, well, if I say anything at all, because I'm, I, we're all learning, uh, always learning. You, you, your sponge like our sponge-like brains will always take little tidbits in. If there's anything um, that I use in my words, please pull me up. Feedback is a gift, and I really, I really enjoy spending some time with you on this podcast. We have come to the part in the podcast where we are joined by another podcast. So joining us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is Andrew Edwards. So Andrew is autistic and he has wrote a number of different books as well as working in the sports industry for a number of years. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Thank you, Adam. Andrew, we've got a, a we've got a quiz for you, if that's okay. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. Um, so this is this is a Manchester United quiz. So we're well, gonna if, it's your... if it's anything recent, I've got zero interest in what's happened recent in the last well, decade. So I think, so, yeah, I think the, the earliest is well, the latest is, is the mid-2000s. So oh, hopefully. I might have a chance to get them right there. <laughs> so it's quiz time now on the TWS Sports Podcast, and today we've got a special Manchester United quiz for you. So, question one. Who did Roy Keane play his last match for Man United against? Liverpool and Anfield, no, 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 no. <laughs> Correct. Who did Cristiano Ronaldo make his Man United debut against? Porto Wanderers. Correct. Okay. Uh, who was Man United's top scorer in the 2000 stroke 2001 season with 21 goals? Teddy Sheringham. Is correct. Correct. Well, I think we need to get a little bit harder with these. Which pundit referring to Alex Ferguson's Manchester United team in 1995? Alan Hansen. Said, David Beckham scored his last goal for Man United at what stadium? Goodison Park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which player took the number seven jersey after Cristiano Ronaldo left? McElroy. At 46 years, 281 days, which player was the oldest to ever appear for Manchester United? Neil McBain. Wow. I can see why you work as a statistician for Manchester yeah. United TV. I haven't, I, haven't done, I, haven't, I haven't done a seven and a quarter, seven and a quarter years though now, seven and a third years. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you, Adam. Have a nice day. <laughs> we all did cheers. And yourself? Yeah, it's you, Nigel. Sorry. Me. I've got a question for you. So as host, right, I've got a question for you. So can I give you some feedback as host? <laughs> Please do. Right, here's some feedback at cause. An interview is like a dance. This is our first podcast. When we're not next to each other. So it's, it's, it's a bit more yeah. robotic, I'm and afraid. You can't cope. 
can't go. You need to <laughs> We're struggling. We are struggling, Will. But yeah, I've noticed, noticed, Tom. They are struggling, aren't they, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> we, what we need, to, Will, is we need Tom with us to bind us together. He's like the glue. England won the World Cup in 2003 in Australia. And that was such an incredible tournament for you. How, if you can, put it into words how amazing that tournament was for you and what your memories of that tournament? Uh, yeah, a really interesting question. I We went into that tournament as the favourites and as the number one team in the world. So that's very different to going into a tournament like England had with the football as sort of one of the favourites and a team with a chance. So the reality is it was just relief. So that we'd won in a way, that we weren't another English team that had failed to live up to the expectation. Uh, And so actually I've had most of my great sporting moments have been as a fan because in Australia, I was just, we were just doing our jobs and trying to get over the line and finding a way to win, even when we weren't playing well, um, to deliver on the promise and the talent we had. So, of course, when the final whistle went, it was special and we jumped up and down. But the whole tournament was actually just doing the little things right all the time and, and staying focused and, and pivoting if we needed to pivot, if we needed to change tactics mid-game, being really cold and clinical about it. So uh, it is one of those things where when I then watched England win the Cricket World Cup or uh, when I watched Aguero score that goal against QPR to win the Premier League title for us for the first time, I went, right, I get what everyone's talking about from Australia. Because I didn't really know what everyone was... Everyone's going, well, the place has gone barbie, the country's gone mad, there's people... Because the time difference, they're all drunk at 10 o'clock in the morning because <laughs> the game's just finished. And I was like, there's five... 10,000 people waiting for you at the airport at five o'clock in the morning. I'm going, why would they do that? Uh, uh, and I never really understood it until, until being on the other side and, and experiencing it as a fan. And it was just a, and I know Gareth Southgate's talked about it, that he, he's just so pleased to be able to put smiles on people's faces. And I look back on it with great pride that a lot of people uh, who are, sort of 40 years old now or at least sort of 30 come up to me and go it was one of the great summers sorry autumns one of the great days of our lives we remember exactly where we were when that moment happened and I think that's the thing that I'm privileged to have been involved in. Did you find that being favourites for the tournament did that create additional pressure or did it fire you up? We had a really grounded team and, and actually, we got to a stage in our careers where we believed we could beat anyone. Now, it didn't mean we would beat anyone, but it took great confidence, even though it was such a physical sport and could be a frightening sport at times. And, and it would grip you with fear before the games because you knew who wants to play something or do something where you know in advance for 80 minutes it's really going to hurt uh, and your lungs will be stretched. Uh, and your bodies will ache and you'll need ice baths for a week afterwards. Who actually signs up <laughs> to do that every week for 15 years? I mean, I look back at myself and go, completely bar me to want to play. I should have played <laughs> diddlywinks, much more fun. Or golf. Um, but actually, 
the great memories I have of that team are the groundwork that we put in, the training we put in to prepare us to be able to stand in a tunnel and, as I said, not assume and not be arrogant enough to look at opposition and think, well, we're better than them, but to always be able to think that no matter how well those opponents play, that if we stay calm and play as well as we can, no matter what they do, we can find a way to win. And uh, that that's a special place to be. You're saying that the 2003 World Cup obviously is, is a very serious occasion. You took your matches very seriously. But there must have been some mighty moments as well. I mean, you had some real characters there, didn't you? You had, uh, of course, there's Johnny Wilkinson, Martin Johnson. Do you have any funny stories from that World Cup? Yeah, so I like the intro to that. And you're going, well, you had some great characters there and there's some very funny people. And then you've named two of the least funny people. <laughs> um, Martin Johnson, just, you know, I love him. And he's much funnier now. He wasn't really, he'd say himself, I'm not really a fun kind of guy. He doesn't really like people. Uh, and, and Johnny was very introverted. So uh, great start to the question, Nigel. Terrible ending. I've got two. I've got two other characters uh, here: Jason Robinson and Matt. Oh so yeah, his name. If, I'll do it again. <laughs> closer, closer. Okay. Yeah, Mike Tyndall and, and Ian Bolshaw and Lewis Moody and Steve Thompson and Benny Cohen. Fabulous characters. I mean, sometimes that uh, uh, you know, we're having really important meetings, and uh, and they'd come out with statements, and you just go, "Have you been listening?" Or <laughs> Do you know what sport we're actually playing? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and that the key to life in a team, people are blend. You, know, you need people to know all of the rules, and you need people to know none of them. You need people to be planning for every eventuality, every detail, and then those who just play instinctively, and that's the beauty of the best team I've ever seen. In, in, a, in any sport, a team that celebrates difference and has complementary skill sets, um, they're the ones that, that make it to finals. They're the ones that win. The teams that just have a plan A, I think rely on a little bit more luck because if you've only got one way to win, I'm telling you, there's some clever people out there, they'll find a way to stop you using your super strength. And then what do you do? You've got nowhere to go. Yeah, very true. Um, well, I just want to take you to the, the last minute of extra time in that game. Johnny Wilkinson, 30 yards out, drop goal. Was there any point in your in that time where you thought you might miss? Or was it always straight over the posts? And He'd already missed four, so he couldn't miss another. <laughs> it would, How, it would that... have been a much shorter game if he'd dropped the goals earlier on. Um, Very true. No, he had missed he, he was an extraordinary character, a wonderful human being, and I think that's one of the things. If you'd offer me, if you offer me a team, fifteen players with amazing talent, or fifteen players with incredible character, I'd always want to play with the fifteen players with incredible character. Um, you can, you can, you can upskill yourself. You can, you can manufacture talent, character. It's a non. It's it's in it's in you. You've got it. You're selfless. You're a team player, or you're not. Um, 
And those those chaps that I played with for so many years, uh, you just want them by your side because you know they do the right thing. Um, and when you've got that sort of calibre of individual within the organisation, you can turn around to anything. Well, I've always wondered in a rugby match, I've, I watch a lot of rugby, I'm a big rugby fan. I've never seen a rugby game end in a draw after extra time. If that game went to a draw, what what happens? Is there or some sort of penalty shootout or what happens in rugby? So there was a European Cup game a few years ago that they do, they go to place kicks. Ours okay. would have gone a World Cup goes to drop five and is that, people. Like a penalty and would, shootout. And would you have been winning the five? I was number four. Every Englishman can thank their lucky stars that it never went to a penalty shooter. Because is that from- I, I would have been like, a, I'd have done a reverse Southgate or a reverse Stuart Pearce. They sort of blazed it over the bar, Chris Waddle, which is not what you want in football, but rugby. I'd have drilled one like a grass cutter, a pea shoot. What's a left corner? Across the I would have scored a goal at the Olympic Stadium and gone, yeah, they've gone, you buffoon, it's supposed to go over. It's competition time on the TWS Sports Podcast and we have a special prize to give away. As we've mentioned, we've teamed up with Surprise Shirts and they have provided us with a prize for our competition. So if you answer the following question, then you'll receive or be with a chance to win a mystery shirt from Surprise Shirts. Our question is, In a recent podcast with England cricketer Matthew Hoggard, he talked about who the most irritating cricketer he's ever played against was. What is the name of the most irritating cricketer that Matthew Hoggard has ever played against? So if you know the answer, then please could you email TWS Sports Podcast or contact us on our social medias, which is TWS Sports Podcast, and you'll be with a chance of winning a mystery shirt. Good luck! What did you do the night that you won the World Cup? I went into Sydney. Great place. Uh, and had a great party. <laughs> Were you hated by the Australians in Sydney? Really, 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 really good party. Um, it was a slow start. It was very late. We didn't really want to leave the changing room because it was such a special place. But then when we got into town, yeah, we made up for it. We made up for it. It was fun. How did the Australians react to you? They were great. Australians are really nice people. And uh, they obviously wanted to win, but I think they acknowledged a good team, as in us, when we did win. And it was a great game. And to be fair, they'd gone into that tournament struggling a little bit. And so they were over the moon to make the final. Of course, they wanted to win, but they also acknowledged and understood that their team had done unbelievably well to make the final. I read that the uh, then Prime Minister, he, he wasn't very gracious when he handed over the trophy. Uh, did that come across? No, that was all about the time. That was all about the time that was allowed left for the TV. He literally had 30 seconds to give out all the medals before they had to go to an advert break. So, uh, yeah, he's he's been pilloried for that, but actually it wasn't his fault. That's fair enough. Thank you for setting us straight on that one. Um, just coming up to more your recent times now, and we obviously got the Lions tour coming up this summer. And I've seen your podcast as well. I watched the one with Sam Warburton this week. Um, what's how do you think the Lions are going to get on this summer? Obviously, they had a great win last night. What's your predictions? 
Uh, uh, well, first of all, I hope the series takes place. There's obviously a lot of COVID in South Africa with the Delta variant, and it's uh, unfortunately flying around, and the Lions themselves have had issues, and South Africans have had problems. So I hope, most importantly, that the series goes ahead. Uh, and then I hope it's competitive. So, look, in an ideal world, it's one all when they head to Johannesburg for the third test on August the 7th. And uh, that would be a, a dream match to be one all, the series on the line, a bit like it was in the year 2017. Since retiring, do you like working in TV and how have you found it? Uh, I try not to take myself too seriously, as you may or may not have noticed. Um, I do a lot of research around the game, so I watch a lot of rugby in my spare time to make sure I know as much as possible about all the players playing, because if you're going to criticise them, you need to make sure you can offer a solution and also understand that you need to be constructive with that, that criticism. So you need to know all around when their team's going. Uh, and then I've just been lucky to be invited back. And uh, if I don't get invited back, I've had a great time, great, great time uh, doing it. Um, I'm thinking about going into some stand-up comedy, Tom, because I've got great jokes like, uh, what do you call two Spanish firemen? What do you call them? <laughs> Jose and Jose B. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke my dad would say. Well, all I'm saying is 100% laugh from all three of you. So that'll do me. That's a start. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll come and watch you on tour, Will. Thanks, guys. A ticket's available. I'll be at the Walsall Arena. <laughs> <laughs> you think Walsall's got an arena? With, with Nige as my warm-up act. Hey, love to. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, it's been brilliant. And thank you so much for the way that you've sort of brought Tom and asked Tom questions as well. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you appreciate that, Tom, as well. Yeah, it's been it's been great. Thanks. Lovely to chat, thank Tom. You. you take care of yourself. Yeah, well done to the school. Well done to the podcast. Well done to Adam for reaching out. And, uh, yeah, it was my pleasure. Uh, it was my privilege to be interviewed by Tom. As for those... Two other Muppets, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> You'll sort of say it to her, Will, don't you worry. See you soon, guys. Uh, thank there you very you much. Go. Right, so boys, we've come to the end of season one. How have you how have you found the podcast this year? It's been a great experience so far. Mm-hmm. Really been enjoying it. I can't believe it's it's what uh, season one's over already, Adam. It's it's gone so quick. Uh, I know uh, it's just gone from strength to strength as well. It's amazing. I know it's what we've done. This will be our 11th episode. So 11 weeks, they've flown by. They really have. And uh, yeah, I feel as though I've learned a lot as well because obviously we, you know, we, we have to do lots of research for all the guests. Uh, uh, people on the podcast uh, who won't know me, obviously. Uh, I'm not particularly sporty. I don't know lots about sport. And a lot of the sports that we've been covering are totally new to me. So uh, yeah, it's been a massive learning curve as well. Well, Nigel, I'm sure our listeners will never know. They'll think you're the, the gangulinic of, of sport. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so looking back at our guests, we've had okay, 11 episodes, but there's been 10 guests. Nigel, I'll start with you. Who's been your, your favourite guest you've had on and why? Oh, gosh, there's been a few, to be honest with you. I mean, there's 
a few memorable ones. Uh, thought Johnny Owen was really enjoyable to chat to, uh, and he seemed he seemed so enthusiastic. He really enjoyed being on the podcast, talk, uh, talking with the boys. Uh, and he was he was just a pleasure uh, to talk to. And then we've had so many interesting stories as well. I mean, Ty Wofferdon, the story about how he nearly chopped his, you know, how he did chop his finger off uh, when he was 13 years old, when he was on his bike, and then carried on riding to school afterwards. <laughs> I thought that was stunning. Uh, and I've enjoyed talking to Peter Baker as well, because Peter Baker was a golfer at the time that I was, I was watching golf, and he's played with some of my sporting heroes, uh, not least uh, Seve Ballesteros. So, yeah, it's quite a few. Yeah, it's been a great lineup. What about you, Tom? Who's been your favourite guest you've had on? My, my favourite has been uh, Hoggy and aka Matthew Hoggard. And I enjoyed everything about him and the funny experiences he had. And overall, I just find him a, a uh, very, like, trying uh, person. So, yeah, and he has a very beam of personality. He does. He was very. I, good I missed that podcast, and I, I listened to it, and it sounded amazing. I really wish I'd been on that one. And looking at my favourite podcast, my I really enjoyed this one today with with Will Greenwood. Um, I find him. He was very funny. He was very easy to talk to. He had lots of interesting and funny stories to tell us. But yeah, I might have to with you, Tom. I think Matthew Hoggard. I think was my favourite. I really enjoyed his stories of how he was was quite rude to Tony Blair, which I found quite funny. Um, and also the story of winning the Ashes and beating Australia, hearing all about the games in the Ashes and how close they were and what it was like to be in the middle of the pitch at the time, I found really, really interesting. But we've got lots of great guests coming up as well, and and we've already recorded some of, of Series 2, haven't we? Yeah, we've got them indeed. So Nigel, can you, who have we got so far coming up on Series 2? Well, I do know that we've got a, a very special guest, uh, ex-England uh, goalkeeper, Joe Hart, coming up. We do. So we are going to start season two off with, yeah, ex-England footballer and Premier League champion Joe Hart. We also have Australian cricketer Manus Labuschagne. And we've also recorded a podcast with the Welsh rugby player Alex Popham. So we've got a free podcast already set up. So um, we're already ready for season two. And we're looking forward to some more great guests joining us as well. And I hope you everyone else is too. Fab. So thank you so much. And again, Tom, who also is on the podcast, who was on the, quite a lot of the first few episodes, sadly hasn't really been able to join us much for the latter parts of this, this series. And he sadly can't be joining us today. But I just want to say a big thank you to Tom, who's, who's really been fantastic on this podcast. And he leaves the school this summer. So um, I'd just like to say thank you so much, Tom, for all your hard work and you've been great to chat to you and a great co-host on the podcast. So thank you so much for joining us, Tom. Yeah, you're leaving yeah. a, a difficult uh, position to fill there, uh, Tom. So yeah, you've been fantastic. So good luck in the future, Tom. So moving forward into September. So we are going to come back. As soon as the score, hot score starts again, we're going to come back with episode one. So we're going to have to find a new co-host for before us, Tom. Tom, I'd like to ask yeah. you... What what have you felt that you've gained from this podcast? Well, um, I've gained, I think, even though sometimes my memory sometimes fades a bit, I, I have also kind of like still 
like processed a bit and then also kind of like had more um guidance of of like kind of like remembering questions and also kind of thinking of a few like things to mention slash add-on definitely progress that i've seen over the two and a half months tom in you has been fantastic you've really really developed skills your communication your confidence has really really come on and you've recently done interviews you did an interview last week with a lady in america didn't you you were on um the local radio this week so the opportunities that's providing you and the way you're handling and adapting to situations and the skills you're developing are fantastic so so congratulations thanks again and, and nigel i think me and you need a bit of work as well because because quite often it's, it's me and nigel that mess up when we're when asking the questions well I, I always think that Tom and Tom are the glue that binds us all together, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, without them, it, it, it would be shambles. Definitely, I agree. Can I give a mention as well to my friend Andrew Cottrell, who is, does the, uh, the theme music for our podcast. Uh, he recorded that for us, and he didn't charge us. Uh, so I just want to say a big thank you to Andrew Cottrell. Cheers, mate. And if you want to hear more of Andrew Cottrell, you can listen to him on Bandcamp. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. It's a, it's, a, it's a great tune as well. I really like it. Right, well, thank you so much for Series 1, lads. I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, I hope you all have a fantastic summer. Enjoy the sunshine. You too. Thank you very much. And thank you. We will be back at the start of September for Series 2. So thank you so much for listening to, to our first series of the podcast. And I hope everyone at home and everyone listening has a, has a great summer as well. Super. Thank you very much, folks, for listening. We couldn't do without your support. Please continue to support us and make sure you pass on your message to all your friends and family. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism, and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine. Sports Social Podcast Network.